are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which came out in 2022 and was directed by Tom Gormican. Nicholas Cage, I love you! You're invited to witness the new age of Cage. Not that I went anywhere. Not that you went anywhere. The Nick cage assaults. Action! The Cage Surgeons. Look who we're talking about here. The man is a legend. The dawn of a new Cage. Hold on! Oh, my God! That is the Nick Cage I want to know. Massive talent. It stars Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, Tiffany Haddish, Ike Barinholtz, Neil Patrick Harris, and Sharon Horgan. The genre is meta-buddy comedy. Anyone going into this movie expecting an unconventional narrative-bending trip into the mind of one of our most eccentric living actors is likely to be quite disappointed. This is not being John Malkovich, nor anything along those lines. In fact, if you are looking to watch a more challenging, trippy yarn from the same director and writer as being John Malkovich, and starring one Mr. Nicholas Kim Coppola, that's his real name, and in dual roles, no less, might I suggest Adaptation, which came out 20 years ago. Wow, has it been that long? No, this is something different, much more conventional, but certainly no less entertaining. This film belongs within a genre or subgenre that's been around for decades, and that would be the, quote, movie stars are people too category or genre, usually featuring a movie star playing a movie star away from the movie set and out of their comfort zone, often placed within a seemingly ordinary real-life situation alongside seemingly ordinary people. And the kick is watching how this star relates to the common folk and how they can help elevate the crisis they find themselves in into something resembling dare I say, a movie. This type of story can actually span several other genres as well, from rom-com to coming-of-age story to buddy comedy. And to be honest, I often find myself to be a sucker for such stories when they're done very well. To me, the best examples of this genre-slash-subgenre would likely be My Favorite Year, starring Peter O'Toole, the late great Peter O'Toole, playing somewhat of a variation on his persona, and Lost in Translation, starring the still-with-us Bill Murray. And if you have seen that film, you'll know what I'm talking about. While the worst examples of this genre would be Notting Hill, starring Julia Roberts, or Last Action Hero, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, with The Hard Way falling somewhere in between, because as ridiculously written as that movie star character is in that movie played by Michael J. Fox, it is still quite fun to watch how Fox plays off of James Woods playing a cop. It's a buddy comedy, and they were paired up. And that is this kind of story. We have Nick Cage playing a somewhat fictionalized version of Nick Cage, an actor who both in real life and within the world of this movie has gone from respected actor to full-blown movie star to nowadays an extremely prolific actor who, while still occasionally giving great performances, is more focused on chasing paychecks when he's not single-handedly developing online memes with his older performances on screen. And this version of The Cage starts this film pretty down and out, drowning in debt, recently divorced, and just not able to land those coveted acting parts that he so craves. Nice place. 
Maybe I ought to get into the olive business. Mr. Cage, yeah, I... Excuse me, real quick. The guy that owns this house, what's his name? Javi. Yeah, Javi. Is Javi going to want me to, uh, you know... I'm not sure I understand. Look, if Javi wants me to suck his dick or fuck his wife or watch me watch him fuck his wife, that's a no-go. You understand? That's no bueno. I think so. Okay, and if Javi... I am Javi. Nick Cage. But a strange new opportunity arises when he is offered a million dollars to be the special guest at the birthday party of a Spanish olive oil tycoon named Javi, played by Pedro Pascal, who also happens to be his biggest fan. And just as Mr. Cage arrives on the Spanish Riviera to attend this gathering, he is also spotted by an operative of the CIA, played by Tiffany Haddish, who suspects something far more nefarious to be occurring at this tycoon's waterfront palatial estate and ends up roping Nick into spying for her while he ends up bonding with superfan Javi, who runs the estate, who, of course, has written a screenplay for a movie he would love for Nicolas Cage to star in. And all the while, the two men embark on several adventures together, one involving LSD, and hilarity ensues. Okay, you just run out there, you get the truck, you come back and get me, I will keep a lookout. Uh-huh. Love it. Love the plan. But maybe you should go, and I'll stay here. I love that plan. I do. But you are a faster runner than me. I saw how fast you were in National Treasure. No, that'd be the stunt department. Not according to the making of feature right. Fine, I'll go. Wait! So you're gonna go? I'm going with you. Yes, this movie is quite funny, and Cage is clearly having a lot of fun riffing on his eccentric persona, while also conveying some sincere pathos regarding his more recent reputation as a paycheck-seeking meme machine. It's a good performance, which can sometimes go over the top, though never too much that he doesn't come off as human. This version of Cage generally comes off as self-centered, but still well-meaning and often likable. And he has great chemistry with Pascal. And I honestly could not recall Cage having this level of chemistry with a co-star since playing alongside Connery in The Rock, which next to Face Off is probably his most referenced film throughout this movie. What are you working on next? Well, that's a tough question for an actor to get, but it's fine. Oh. Because I'm no longer an actor. I retired. What? What do you mean, retired? So, what are you going to do now? <sighs> Live the life of a house cat. Because it's just a matter of time before the great power plant upstairs turns off the juice and we retreat to the black pit of nothingness from whence we came. So tell us about making The Rock. And therein lies the rub of what prevents this from being one of the great Nicolas Cage movies. And merely a solid, entertaining one. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. We need more solid, entertaining movies. The overall story develops into pretty much along the lines of your standard mistaken identity action comedy. And it's pretty much directed that way, too. The director, Tom Gormican, does a solid job with the action gets serviceable performances from the rest of the cast, and does a nice job of displaying several gorgeous locations, which are meant to be the Spanish Riviera, though actually filmed in Croatia. Still gorgeous. Gormican, who also co-wrote the screenplay, is constantly referencing several of the more iconic Cage movies and performances, like Face Off, Leaving Las Vegas, Moonstruck, and the more recent Mandy, which I love. But none of these scenes are filmed and or acted with the flair of those movies, 
it often just feels too restrained for you to really appreciate it, especially, of course, if you have seen those movies. Granted, it can be a tall order for any director to just stop a film in its tracks to suddenly attempt the go-for-broke stylings of a John Woo or Panos Cosmatos, who directed Mandy, but then to just merely reference some of these roles in the most perfunctory manner possibly seems a bit lazy too, almost fanservice-y, to be fair. I mean, there is literally one moment where Nick is taken into a sort of shrine-slash-mini-museum of his filmography, and we see him pick up a nondescript-looking chainsaw. And then he just utters, Hey, it's my chainsaw from Mandy! Okay, I smiled for a second. I still smile even thinking of that scene. And then what? (laughs) So we are just going the on-screen Planet Hollywood route of merely acknowledging memorabilia now? To what end? (laughs) Now, to be fair, this movie does get more clever referencing other Cage films. I especially enjoyed one visual reference from Leaving Las Vegas, but as to how much this motif actually enhances the story, overall, it's pretty hit or miss. Which is not to say that it's a game changer for this movie, which is still overall a pretty breezy affair with even a couple of nifty action beats towards the end. At the end of the day, this is a fun action comedy starring Nicolas Cage giving a good, engaging performance. But what it isn't is a full-bore, great Nicolas Cage movie. No, there's nothing here even approaching the gonzo highlights of Vampire's Kiss. How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z. Huh? That's all you have to do! Nor his underrated performance in the Bad Lieutenant remake from about 14 years ago. This film never tries to approach the heights of those films from the cage oeuvre. It generally stays in its lane, and maybe it's not fair to set that kind of bar for it. But then again, with a bombastic title like The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, maybe it is. Regardless, this was a fun watch. And now the categories. The first category would be Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Longtime film composer Mark Isham conducts a solid overall score, and the soundtrack for this film features various pop standards. While taking us full circle, my personal soundtrack highlight would actually be a diegetic song performed within the movie by Nicolas Cage himself. At the birthday party of his fictional daughter, Addie, who just turned 16. In the lead-up to this moment, Cage has shown up late to this party, and drunk no less, when he decides to stop the party in its tracks by playing the piano. And to stunned silence from everyone present, including his daughter and ex-wife, we hear him perform this song dedicated to his daughter, Addie. This performance, of course, goes off the rails, and it's a comic highlight for this movie. Unfortunately, at the time this podcast is being produced, there are no available recordings for this song. According to the film's Wikipedia, this song is simply titled, Addie's Song. The next category is Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Omnipresent comedienne Tiffany Haddish has an intriguingly entertaining setup early in the film as Cage's CIA handler and then is featured on the other end of communications for a pretty funny sequence a bit later as she is partially directing Cage to find his way out of a harrowing situation escaping surveillance after he has accidentally drugged himself. And then from roughly the 45-minute mark onward, 
Haddish's character just isn't in the movie that much, nor really factors into the story that much. By this point, the movie has sort of transitioned into a Nick slash Javi buddy comedy, but it still could have been quite funny to see her have some interactions with Pedro Pascal. This is not a huge criticism, as overall this is a pretty tight movie, but it just could have used more Tiffany Haddish. I don't know if I'm losing my mind, but I'm pretty sure that's the actor Nick Cage. From Moonstruck? Moonstruck, not from Face Off. Wait, 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 wait. Why is Nick Cage on this plane? You know what? We're pulling out. I don't like this. Get out of there. No. What do you mean no? No, 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 no. What are you doing? Vivian, what are you doing? Thank you. This is our shot. No, get out. Vivian, get the... Nicholas Cage. Oh, my God. You're so awesome. I love you. Thank you. Me and my nephew Raymond just watched Croods 2. Can I get a selfie? Sure. Oh, I, I like that movie, too. Oh God, you did so uh, good in that movie. The next category is the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Many of this film's highlights involve interactions between Nick and Javi, but my personal favorite would have to be one of their quieter bonding moments. As both of them are hardcore cinephiles, they begin to have an ongoing discussion of their favorite movies, and they're generally on the same page. Except... Javi has been slow to reveal his choice for number three, his third favorite movie. And then, as they are winding down at Javi's villa one night, after a day of hijinks, Javi finally lets it slip. And of course, it's an unexpected choice. The film is a live-action sequel to a family comedy featuring an animated main character which came out five years ago to quite a bit of acclaim. Nick is at first taken aback by this choice, but then Javi puts the movie on for him, they watch it together, and Nick's reaction is both funny and touching. Look, can you just stop stalling and answer the question? What is your third favorite movie of all time? Paddington 2. What? Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Paddington 2, connect those dots. I mean, I don't want to be a snob, but... I cried through the entire thing and made me want to be a better man. Bullshit, Mom! <laughs> Paddington 2 is incredible. I fucking told you. And now the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. For a movie that is so much about Nicolas Cage, it would be beyond absurd for me to not include him in this category, since he pretty much delivers on the role he was hired to play. A heightened version of himself, which is not particularly an easy thing for any experienced actor to pull off. But in a surprise development to myself, I feel that he must share this award with his co-star. And that would be Pedro Pascal, who is an actor that I have and continue to watch in just about anything since his memorable run on Game of Thrones several moons ago. Pascal all but steals much of the movie, as I would say roughly the middle 40 minutes of this gratefully lean 105-minute caper is pretty much comprised of him paired with Cage in their own little stoner road comedy sort of along the lines of Nick and Javi's Excellent Adventure, or Javi and Nick up in smoke. Their enjoyment of each other's hijinks is just infectious. Pascal just has such a twinkle in his eye through most of these sequences that I can't imagine this film working nearly as well as it does without him. Not taking anything away from the uncaged one himself, as he was clearly the main draw for this film. But it's my opinion that the humor and humanity of the unbearable weight 
of massive talent, just cooks the most whenever Pascal and Cage are on screen together. For that reason, they are co-MVPs. All right. All right. I get it. You're making this up? What is this, like a, a little um, Stanislavski improv thing? Well, you can stop. Stanislavski, is he part of the resistance? Stop! I am your guest! Gabriella ripped the bedspread off me this morning. Now you're sending me on like a wild goose chase. I'm sorry, but you can't quit acting. You can't. That's none of your business. Whether you like it or not, you have a gift. And that gift brings light and joy to an increasingly dark and broken world. And to turn your back on that gift is to turn your back on the entire human race. My rating for the unbearable weight of massive talent would be three and a half stars out of five. Even though I would not consider this to be the ultimate Nicolas Cage movie, it is still quite a fun ride. If you're a fan of the actor, you're not likely to be disappointed. And if you're looking to watch the unbearable weight of massive talent, love saying that, it is currently playing in theaters. And that ends another humble review. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast, and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.